Flipping it up and out. Bogut! Ariza blocked by Bogut! Good recovery by Andrew Bogut. Let's get Rogue. Welcome to Rogue Bogues. This is the basketball series. Appreciate everyone joining in. First week of the NBA season is not even in the books yet. We've still got a couple more days till it's officially a week. But, Pro, what's going on? Have you caught many games over the last couple of days? Yeah, I have actually. I was watching the Lakers. Uh, I watched the Laker game today, that fucking debacle. And, you know, uh, I'm watching a lot of the Spurs. I got a client, Trey Jones, who I break down film for. So I've been watching him and just watching their, their deal. And, you know, they seem to be like, you know, the David Robinson, Tim Duncan Spurs. They've been knocking off everybody. So it's, uh, you know, as I, as my friend Dave Severns likes to say, that uh, Bogues, the, the world isn't flat, it isn't round, it's upside fucking down, and and that's that's what it is. The world's upside down. Yeah, and that was the the loss to the Portland Trailblazers, in which there was a lot of interesting possessions late. It was <laughs> Anthony Davis at the side of the backboard on a wide open three, and Russ came down and shot an early potential shot to put him up. It was just an absolute crazy, crazy fourth quarter. Um, but this is the time of, of uh, way too early predictions and reactions. We have a small sample size pro. Uh, we have obviously the undefeateds and the winlesses. Um, but I mean, there's, there's some teams that I'm, I'm going to start with Utah Jazz. I just I just watching their game against the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, they lost Brandon Ingram early in that game. It was a very very good game. Um, and and Utah were up big and, and New Orleans clawed it back. It was a great game to watch. But I mean, Utah undefeated. At the moment, uh, they, they were one of our tank teams. I think you might have had them last or second last. I mean, I had them at the bottom bottom five. Um, I mean, they're they're playing hard. I wonder if Danny Ainge goes into that office and says, "Hey, it's all good and well, but you know, there's there's a bigger prize at the end of the tunnel. This this team's probably not going to make much noise even if we do make the playoffs." But how do you? I mean, you've been part of you know winning teams and and, and teams that have been shit house. I guess what's have you ever had messaging from the front office that's kind of relayed down? Have you been involved in any of those meetings? Because it does get pretty interesting um, when a team like the Utah Jazz was supposed to be in the Victor sweepstakes, start off three and zero. Yeah, you know, I've had I've I've been in meetings where that message was passed on before I got to the meeting. You know, usually it's high up, sort of has that meeting, and then it just sort of dispersed. Like, hey, look, we're not really trying to win games. But I've never been a part of an organization when that was it from day one. It usually took place like in January or February. But um, it's got to be an interesting thing because obviously front office is always about where they're, they're going to be in the future. And the, the coach doesn't – most likely the coach doesn't really echo that same sentiment. They always want to win. They're competitive. They're crusty about it. And uh, they've got that ego. Well, shit, goal. the losses go on their record. Yeah, no <laughs> you know, doubt about like... it. And they get fired, right? And the GM usually exactly. keeps their job. So, I mean, at this juncture, Bogues, but, you know, I remember Carlisle's always saying this, like, he'd pull out the board after game one and put the rankings down. And you're like, what the fuck? But it does matter, these games early on. You might think, oh, you know what? Let them start 5-1. and one. Let them feel good about themselves. And then we'll tank it from this this point, that point forward. And then you're sitting there in April, and then you lose the coin flip because you tied. And you're looking at yourself as like, you know, did, did that win in middle of October really matter? Like, we, we, well, we couldn't have tanked it. And 
I mean, look, if it's a regular draft, maybe it doesn't matter going one to two. But when you have a, a player like the French kid, like Vic, and uh, it does matter because that, you know, the difference between number one and number two, at least from what people are seeing now, is is really big. And but look, man, everybody's having fun. They're three and zero. You know, Portland's three and zero. It's crazy. You know, the Spurs are two and one. All these teams that think you know, you think ah, oh, they're taken for sure. You know, you look up there. You know, they're in the top seven, top eight in the league, in the conference right now. I know it's early, but it's pretty interesting. This is why it's our early discussion and predictions. A lot can change in a week or two. You usually need, I think, I feel like you need two or three weeks to really kind of let things settle. Um, road trips, guys lose their legs, uh, travel, you know, um, being on the road for a long time, being at home for a long time, all these things matter. Injuries play their part. So, but, you know, you can only go on the sample size we have. And I think, you know, the only team. Two teams, I guess, that are meant to be up there that have come out ablazing. Maybe three. You include the Clippers. They're two and zero, and they play Phoenix at time of recording, so we won't know that result. You know, Boston three and zero, Milwaukee two and zero. We, you know, they're they're going to be both up there. So you, they're the only the only teams that have come out and jumped out. Miami haven't looked great. I mean, they're one and two, but in my opinion, haven't looked great. Philly, who I predicted to, you know, just on a whim to go, you know, something different, go to a championship. They're on three, <laughs> um, and and they look. I mean, Embiid's reportedly not fully healthy. Um, you know, Harden is, I think, back to his old ways defensively. I watched one of their games. He was getting back hard every third or fourth play by his guy. Um, yeah, they, you know, what's head-scratching for me uh, with Philly Pro is Matisse Thibel's not playing. Um, he was an all-league defender for two straight years, I believe. He made the all-defensive team two years in a row, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And... They need some defense on that squad. Like, you know, Maxi's more offense-orientated. Okay, he'll, he'll pick up the ball a little bit. you got Harden. Tobias isn't known as a great defender. Harden's a horrible defender. Embiid is a solid defender, but you need him on the floor, so he can't go out there trying to trying to be crazy defensively because you need him at the other end. Um, PJ Tucker is probably their be- you know probably their team. Him and uh, Matisse will be the two best defenders. And look, Matisse is three balls streaky. I get it. Very athletic. Um, you know, you put him in and he knocks down a three or two, and then you you, you can leave him in and, and and roll the dice. But he needs to play more than two, you know, a minute and a half a game for them to have any chance, in my opinion. They're, they're just that that starting five, PJ Tucker is really the only above average defender in that squad, in my opinion, and Beal as well. But like I said, and can't go out there crazy. But um, I think Philly will correct it. But man, they they've started off poorly. Yeah, they have, and the Thibault thing, it, it's a little. It's weird to me too. I was going to mention it to you, like uh, you know, yesterday or a couple of days ago. It, it is weird that he's only playing, barely just getting in games. The only way you're going to get a player better in this league is to play in minutes, play in NBA minutes. And somebody who's streaky shooting it, the only way he's going to get better is if you put him in games and draw plays up for him to get shots in, to get shots up. It's like the Ben Simmons thing, right? Like. You know, until you actually shoot shots in a game, I don't care how your workouts are, what your strokes looking like. If you don't shoot them in games, you're never going to get better. And they need the defense. And I don't know who's sort of communicating that. I don't know if it's it lack of shooting and does Daryl Morey not like it and want minutes to go to you know to Tucker who he had in you know in Houston and he could shoot the ball better, more of a vet. I don't know. 
I don't know who's making that call, but um, they need they need some type of change of you know change of trajectory soon because zero and three in a, a very competitive East, and they just don't look like you know Embiid. I mean, I saw him play against San Antonio yesterday, and I mean he had a big game. I think he had like forty points. And he's getting it done offensively, but de- defensively, he's got to pick it up for them. You're not going to get it out of hot. And I don't think it, it's never been his thing. And even before he went to Houston, it wasn't his thing. He just can't move his feet like that, you know, defensively. So I think that Embiid, he's going to have to step up there. And I think they're going to have to play Thibault because, you know, they don't really have anybody else that can really guard. You know, Maxi, that's not his thing. He's a scorer. Um, they got Tucker, but, you know, Tucker even looks beat up. I mean, I know he's older. He's like 37, but he doesn't look like he's moving very well either. And it's a long-ass season. There's 79 more games to go. So it'll be interesting where they end up. Yeah, I feel like they got Tucker thinking that he's going to fix all the defensive problems single-handedly. Like, that's what it seems like. It's like, you know, you know, their team defense isn't great, but they Philly have started off awfully. And just to close off the um, the Utah Jazz discussion, Laurie Markkinen has started the season on fire. He's currently 24-10 and 4-odd assists a night. So he has come out gunning. He's a good mix of inside-out, so I can get to the bucket. He's shooting the three ball quite decently, but, um, you know, he, he's carrying on from his... His great off-season there uh, in the Eurobasket where he was gunning and he's come here now and he started off really well. Brandon Ingram's started off the season very, very well. He left the game today with 10 points in 10 minutes due to concussion. So that sucks for him. But pre, pre this game, you know, he's 28, 8 and 6. And he's taken a huge jump, huge, huge jump. His body looks a little bit bigger. He looks like he's in great shape. And um, people that know him say he's all about just love of basketball. He doesn't care about all the other stuff, the red carpets and the... Um, all that, all that kind of stuff. He just kind of does his thing, and I respect where he's built himself as a basketball player. So, just two guys I wanted to mention there, pro. Um, who else do we have? Um, where has the defense gone this season, pro? I know it's the start of the year, but have you seen some of these some of these scores? I mean, you're looking at as we as we speak right now. There's five minutes left in the third quarter between Golden State and Sacramento. Golden State have 101. SAC have 81. So I know Golden State's kind of a strange one to look at because they do get numbers up. But even SAC has 81 with five minutes left. Like the, the pace of the game, it's just it's extraordinary. I mean, Utah and New Orleans went to overtime, but it was 122, 121. Um, you know, Charlotte scored 126 against Atlanta in regulation. Like it just seems like defense is not an emphasis. And I mean, you could probably put that down to the way the game's been officiated too, right? Yeah, exactly. I think it's all being catered towards offense. And I think the way players play and train and prepare in the offseason, like there's no like defensive role players anymore. It's all like, you know, most of these players want to be offensive players. And they think they're talked into the fact that they could score and they could play offense and, and things like that. And I think that, you know, especially the way the game's officiated, uh, like you talked about and mentioned, I just think that there's really no – no one really is, like, excited about the defensive part. I feel bad for those defensive coordinators, you know, to come in with all these, like, diagrams and stuff coming into the season. And, like, the players look at them like, yeah, okay, jerk off. Like, yeah, you know, you, you could put that stuff and burn it because, you know, there's no fucking way we're playing it. I, I just think that there's really not an emphasis on defense. I think most most coaches are offensive-minded. I think all that stuff about defense is, it, you know, sounds good. But then putting it across to your players, I think it's a different thing. And 
you know, like the Tom Thibodeau's of the world, they're, they're going to grind out defense and a couple other coaches, maybe Spolster, but there aren't many of them. And, and I think they're just going to, they're going to stress offense. I think ownership and management are going to be like, look, we want an exciting brand of basketball. I think everybody talks the same language, you know, space and pace and paint and downhill, even though the court's flat, you know, every, everybody wants to talk the same way. And they want to light up scoreboards like like a pinball machine, and I, I just think that that's sort of where the game's going. It's it's where it's been going for a long time, and I think it's sort of hitting it its stride, and uh, it's here to stay. I don't think you're going to see defensive minded basketball for a long time. Yeah, but it's it's it's. I think you need the balance. Like all the teams that are, you know, look at Boston, Golden State, both made the finals. Both were above average defensive teams. Especially, you know, Boston was was number one for a long, long time there. Milwaukee's usually up there, and they're usually in the mix. Uh, Miami's usually up there; they're in the mix. Um, you look out west, the Clippers, I, I assume, will be somewhere in that mix. Um, Denver could improve, I think, uh, defensively and get to the next step. So I think you need the balance. I think, um, yeah, it is It is all about offense, no doubt. But the, I think the good championship teams um, need that defensive effort. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Usually the worm kind of changes throughout the season. There's dips and curves, and we'll see how that all goes. Dallas looked good as well. Um, I thought they looked they looked pretty good, even though they lost their first game to Phoenix, emotional game for Phoenix, all that kind of stuff. So I didn't take too much into that, but they they – Pummeled Memphis, absolutely destroyed Memphis, and they they look pretty solid out of the gates, which we both predicted. Um, other than that, I mean, there's no real surprise. Look, I think Orlando uh, they're zero three, but they battled, man. Um, they they easily could have been two and one. Um, they had Boston, on, you know, they had a chance to beat Boston, and Boston came overcame them and won. But I think Orlando for a tank team or one of those teams going to be at the bottom. They they battled pretty hard, so I was I was kind of impressed with the way they played. Vanchero is really good. Um, he's going to be a phenomenal player in this league. Cleveland look really good with Donovan. I mean, he's been he's been sensational. We'll touch on that a little bit later in the in the stat segment. But um, he's come out blazing and, and and led them to a few big wins. So it's uh, yeah, it's still still a bit early to kind of solidify who's going to be where. Um, but definitely some teams that you know Utah shouldn't be number one. That's for sure. Even Portland, we we both didn't think that they would be contending for a top six, top seven, top eight finish and, and they're one, two at the moment in the West Pro. So anything else you got for us as far as surprises or predictions? No, it's just early, Bogues. It's really early. And I think that, you know, it's just something that we just got to wait until, you know, until the talent settles in and people settle down. The teams that take, you know, the teams that sort of come out of the gate, you know, the teams that come out of the gate, they're, they're going to they'll fall back to, to normalcy. But, um, no, I think everybody sort of, you know, we've talked about, I think we mentioned all the teams that sort of are up and down on things, but I'll just tell you what, like this Lakers and Philly thing, it, it's going to get ugly in both of those cities pretty quickly if they don't really turn it around. <laughs> now, Philly. Especially Philly. Yeah, Philly, Philly, you can see turning around. They've got talent. They've got, they could win games. I don't think it's going to be a disaster. Although, you know, Probably what they've done to formulate that roster, it it's probably going to be ugly. You know, it's going to be ugly if they finish four or five. You know, but the Lakers, they just don't have anything more to give you. Like LeBron is giving you a lot of what LeBron can give you. Davis is playing. Westbrook's even though he's not shooting it well, he's giving an effort. And they still yeah. Can't have you seen Have you seen Russ's, Russ's interviews though, man? Like he he just looks completely defeated. Like. I just watched another one before we jumped on. They asked him, like, how do you feel about five men defending you? 
late in games, like, what's the adjustment you guys need to make? And he just kind of answered it like, I don't know, you know. You know, um, and it just looks like his joy might be his fault. Who knows? But I, I think that, like we, like I said from the start, Westbrook and LeBron together is not going to work. They don't have enough shooting. They're both similar players. They need the ball. The high usage guys. How the hell is this going to fit? And LeBron's more than obviously going for that that record um, with the way he's playing. So it's just it's sad to see a player that had so much. Uh, so many great years, you know, the triple double record and all that kind of stuff that people have forgotten about. That it's 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 a what have you done for me now league, and, and Russ is in that situation. And I, I just hope for everyone's sake they get him out of there, get him to a team that could use him. That's that's you know maybe a bubble uh, playing team scratch scratching six seven eight, maybe getting to one of those teams and see how it goes. But the problem is, you know. Those teams that are in that region are tanking or, or, or in the stakes for, for Victor. So it's like, do you bring in Russ as your main guy? Ball usage can maybe get you five or 10 more wins when it's still going to just get you in the fringe of the playoffs when you should probably be down the bottom to get that pick. So it's Russ, the Russ Lakers thing is not going away. Um, as you mentioned, both those cities in Philly and LA, they're, her, they're horrendously bad when you're bad. And Russ is, it's getting worse day by day in LA with the media and the fans, man. It's, it's sad to see. Yeah, and, and look, what you know, Russ could put triple double numbers up almost anywhere he plays. The question is, in about ninety percent of those situations, he can't be that kind of guy, and you win games. He just doesn't. He's not an efficient player like that. He doesn't shoot the ball like that. Now he comes out, you know, he'll come at you, shot out of a cannon. He'll come for your throat. He'll do all that, and he's a tough kid, and he plays hot as hell, and he's talented. The problem is his style of play, you know, isn't like he's an assist guy, but he doesn't have great vision. Not a, it doesn't make things easier on you like a, a Luka would, like a Jokic would with his with his assists, like a Rondo would. You know, he's a guy that knows how to hunt an assist, get an assist, but like he doesn't make it easier with you. You need really talented players around you and around him for him to help you win. I just, he's not that type of player. He could put up numbers up. I just don't think he's a guy that could really take you over the edge to win. You know, it's just a, it's a weird thing to explain, but I just don't see where he fits in, where it's a situation where like they're going to embrace having him and let him do what he, he does and the team sort of get better doing it. I think if I have a team that's like a small market that, you know, fan base is off a little bit, I need some excitement, you know, but like with those teams, you're trying to have young guys. Like, you know, if you look at it, what are you going to, like the only real place that it really makes sense is like a Sacramento, to be honest. Like they're not going anywhere. Nobody really cares. Uh, put him in there. He's going to be exciting. Fans are going to love him but they're not going to win games. Like you look anywhere else, you know, Houston, Oklahoma City, Minnesota, like he's not helping those guys. And if he goes to like, first of all, back to Oklahoma City, say they're not going to do that because they've got no, Giddy no, and those no. guys. Like, Giddy, yeah. yeah like, Utah you know, was the other one. Utah was mentioned in rumors. The, late, the Lakers knocked down, knocked back a trade apparently that had two future first rounders and a, and a, you know, a few players going here and there. They knocked that back. But yeah, you're right. Look, I mean, and, and the thing with Russ is, as he goes into his decline, when he's now that he's getting older, I don't think he's that a role player type um, because he doesn't shoot the ball well at the one-two, right? So you, you can't really play him 
Like, okay, you, we're going to bring you in as a vet off the bench. Like, you'll be our, you know, maybe you could run a second unit, maybe. You know, you, you get him on a team that, that can, hey, you run our second unit for 10, 15 minutes when the big dogs are out and get everyone involved and try to get that little, not triple-double, but, you know, an 8, 5, and 5 off the bench for us. Maybe, but he has to buy into that. That's probably his role, I think, going forward, Pro. Like, I don't, I don't think you can bring him in as a role player to play off a board, play off other superstars, like the quote-unquote-unquote unquote role player. Like, if you brought him to... Let's say what, what Reggie Jackson and John Wall's role is with the Clippers or, you know, I don't think he can do that because he just doesn't shoot the three ball well enough and that's, that's what kills him. So um, maybe maybe one of these, you know, if he buys in a young and upcoming team as, a, as an insurance policy, but will Russ accept that? I think that's the biggest thing. He's at that crossroad in his career where, you know, it's almost mellow-like where, you know, can you can you look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm not that guy anymore. I'm happy to play a role off the bench or no one's going to sign you. Um, and that's that's a tough thing. And, and just for Philly's sake, I mean, they should get a win tomorrow. They, they, they play uh, Indiana tomorrow. If they lose that one and go 0-4 to Indiana, I think there's going to be some people in Philly uh, firing up. But they've got they've got uh, the Pacers. They've got a home-and-home home with the Raptors, which will be tough. That, if they split that, that's a good result. Bulls, Wizards, Wizards in a home and home, and then Knicks. So they should, I mean, they should go five hundred at a minimum. But man, if we're talking next week and they're like one and one and seven, one and six, some trouble there in uh, in, in Philly. Yeah, without question. And and back to the the West thing, real quick. Like with Carmelo, it took him a couple of teams to finally say, "Okay, I'm a role player. I'll embrace it." And he did really well with it. I don't think Westbrook. I don't know him at all. But I'm just gonna guess by outside looking in that he he's probably not gonna accept the role like that, you know that he'd probably just not want to play than taking a role like that. Again, I'm I'm speaking just from my own guess, and that's that's a tough one. And um, you know, I don't know a lot of good subplots this year. And the question is, after you trade for him, say they do a trade, and these two picks are gonna be attached to Russ. Does the team that trade for him keep him? And does he become one of those, okay, you can get him for a veteran minimum and then bring him in the second unit. Let's go. Now he becomes probably a better asset where you're not taking his salary on where if, you know, like say Utah takes him on. In my opinion, Utah trades for him. There's no reason for Utah to keep him. You know, they got young players that are trying to develop, get reps. Why would you want him there when he's going to take away from that? So I would probably just release them. Then a team like, I don't know, I'll just throw it out there, like a Dallas or something like that is like, you know what? Let's bring him off the bench. Brooklyn, let's bring him off the bench. Like somebody like a that, like let, let's do that. But who knows? It's a, It'll be a shit show going forward for sure. It will. All right. Tanking. Adam Silver's made some comments, one of which was he's thought about relegation. I'm like, yeah, okay, buddy. Yeah, you have not thought about any relegation because that he said he's he's thought about relegation, but never really got any traction with it um, for for teams to get um, put into the G League if they you know if they finish last to stop that. I'm like, there's no chance, no chance whatsoever. Imagine like, imagine the Lakers finish last. <laughs> like, yeah, you gonna put chance. them in the G League, please, please, please. But it was it was it was a fun discussion by Adam Silver. But um, he's basically. Put, we have put teams on notice, quote unquote. We're going to be paying particular attention to the issue this year. You can't stop it. Um, not with the current set of rules. It's it's tough because you know most seasons teams tank for a number one pick. This one's with all the media attention and hype and the player that Victor is. This is a generational player. We're, we're being told that you know 
everyone's going to take, everyone should essentially be tanking, which is why it's so strange that Utah and a few of these teams are at the top of the hill. But I mean, I don't know. What's your solution to stop tanking? I'd love to hear yours. I've got one. Um, what's your What's your solution? My solution would be to break um, break the lottery up into three spots. Yeah, you got your you've got your you know your lot you you got your number one pick. Actually, you get your top three. Then you've got like from three, you've got like four to seven, and then you got eight to fifteen. Right? To me, you can't like you if you finish in the top three in the in the lottery, you shouldn't be able to get in the top three again for another year or two. Meaning, I don't care. You, know, you got to get them out of the lottery. You got to get them out of that top three, top four. I love Philly. What Philly did for like a four years, yeah, man. Yeah. Exactly. Like you could tank, but the thing is, like, okay, you're gonna get a top three pick. This for like, if you finish one, two, or three, you're done for like two more years. So like, you could only finish like four to eight. You know, four to seven, four to eight. You go down a block, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then and then and that's it, and that's all you do. I've heard some things like Frank Isola um, that does the, his podcast with uh, radio show with Scalabrini for Sirius Radio. He said something like, "Take the lottery teams and then have either a tournament, uh, have a tournament, and the winner of the tournament gets, um, you know, gets the number one pick or." Uh, the way they finish past a certain date, record-wise, the best record gets the you know gets the number one pick, and this way they're competitive. Damn, he stole my shit. I'm sorry. No, that's I didn't steal it. Frank Isola did. I'm no, he stole it. He stole yeah. Isola. Isola stole. That's what I was thinking. I, I've, I've been saying this for years. I was like, if you really want to stop it right now, so you got top ten make the playoffs essentially with the plane, right? So you've got another ten. You know, you've essentially got um, ten teams that are that are out. Why not just have a playoff playoff type tournament for them? And you have, you know, if so, if you finish if you finish eleven, which would be the number you, you're the number one seed in that bottom five tournament, and you get home court and you play off for the number the right to the number one pick, right? It makes total sense because it keeps those teams competitive. And hey, they might sneak up to a playing game, right? You know, if you if they stay competitive, they don't go full tank mode post All Star break. Fans are still coming to watch something. There's a lot of hype about teams getting the number one pick. I think people would buy somewhat buy into it. Look, we had a shitty season, but we've got a chance to, you know, we're playing off in a, in a final, a one-off game to for the number one pick. You're winning something, right? So it's, it, there's a lot of hype with it. The kicker is this pro, and this is what I couldn't work my head around. This is the one negative with it. What if a team has traded its future first round pick. Yeah. <laughs> and then, they, and then they, they tank in that tournament <laughs> to screw yeah. the other team up. Yeah. Um, that's what I can't get around. My fix was maybe you, you, maybe you put a, you don't want prize, prize money. You got to have some sort of incentive for those teams. Like, okay, I'm not sure if, 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 if that's a situation where the team's traded its pick and we know you don't have to try as hard or care about these games. For that team, we'll give you a, you know, Quarter of a million dollars. I don't know. I don't know what it is, pro. That's what I'm. I can't work out. So we should probably have a little counselling session of how we figure it out. But I think it's plausible, man. It's have that set of games. It's more, more, more. T- you know, more money for them. More, uh, more TV time. There's more hype. More people talking about it. There's a there's a big build up and bunch of people discussing. You know, who they think is going to win that that silly little tournament. And you, I think you do it from as soon as the season ends. You go straight away for a week. And then you push into the playoffs. It kills that that five days. Maybe you play every day. So you know there's ten teams, and it's just a knockout tournament. Bam, 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 bam. 
um, or some, something along those lines. But yeah, the, the big kicker is pro that if, you're, if you've traded your pick away, you're not going to play as hard to try and make sure that a team gets a high pick. And also, Bogues, like, if you're the players on that team, how many players do you think are like excited to play in a tournament like that at the end of the year? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like yeah. playing for a number one pick that that guy essentially is going to take your job. So it's like, are they that excited to play? You know, even if they're going to get a little bit of money, I guess that playoff money that they wouldn't get, you know, for making it. I will be honest with you. I think that would be more exciting, a tournament or whatever, than the play-in tournament. And I like the play-in tournament, don't get me wrong. But I think the people will be more excited in getting up to watch those games to see who's going to get the pick. Because, like, they got to do something. And to be honest, like, those games are so bad at the at the last month of the year, especially for the teams that are tanking. Oh, it's horrendous. It yeah. is horrendous. I would probably put something in with record-wise, you know, from a certain date, like lock in the lottery teams, you know, lock in the locker, lottery teams, say, March 1st. And then it's the best record of those teams rather than the tournament at the end of the year where those guys will totally flatline because it'll literally, it'll literally be a G League showcase from that moment on because a lot of these vets are mm. going to shut it down. Two ways know. and all that bullshit. Folks, yeah. I don't know what it is. But I'll tell you what, I'm tired of seeing the same teams for like a three or four year period. I know it's the formula to become good. Yeah, you're incentivized to do it though. That's a problem. Like OKC, okay, yeah. like they're incentivized. They blew up all their stars. They're actually incentivized to do it. I mean, I, the, the only other thing that could work, pro. Sorry to cut you off. Okay. Would be uh, just make it simple. If you finish eleven, that's like finishing last. So you, you make it simple. The higher you finish in that bottom five, gives you more more ping pong balls. So if you're eleven now, you get more ping pong ping pong balls than twelve. Twelve gets more than thirteen. Thirteen gets more than fourteen. Fourteen gets more than fifteen. So then that, that's the clearest, easiest way to prevent. You know, people argue, oh, it's not fair for the teams that are really bad. Well, get better. <laughs> like, spend some money in the off season, get better so you can maybe get move yourself from 15, 11, one season, and then you're playing the year after. But that that would be probably the simplest way with adding, adding extra games. 11 now gets more ping pong balls. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Without question. Without question. I wonder if, like, obviously you can't relegate. I mean, that's... You know, we're not a Ted Lasso episode here. I mean, come on. You know, like... Well, imagine Rio Grande Valley is the promotion team. Yeah. You know <laughs> like on the border of border of Mexico. They're playing this, like, little little crappy arena. Like, we played there in a preseason game. It's a town of, like, you know, there's not very many people in that town. I couldn't even tell you. But you, you're going to move. So so they get promoted and the Lakers or, or the Knicks get demoted for a season. The come on, well, man. But, folks, what about this? If you finish in a lottery, like... Uh, more than two years in a row, they take five home games from you, or something like that. Like you're not relegated, but it's gonna, it's gonna, you know, just like soccer relegation. You know, obviously it's embarrassing and it hits you in the pocket. Where like you know, it doesn't kill you, but five games is big and you know is a decent part of the pot. I don't know what to do, Bogues. I'm not that smart, but they, they definitely have to do something and change the way it's done. Look, they changed it before. It used to be. You know, they they brought the envelopes in, put them in the giant you know, the giant ball uh, like ball, and they would crank it up like a bingo game, and they would pick envelopes, and everybody would have the same chance, which I thought was really cool. 
you know, like all the lottery. Yeah, until until the Knicks the Knicks envelope was creased in the corner. Yeah, that was. Oh yeah, that was the other one. The cold envelope was other rumor, but there was one. It's on YouTube. You can find it. There was one where there was a the ear of the cardboard piece was severely bent. Yeah, it was the same one. That was the Patrick Ewing draft, and like. Like like I said before in last week's episode, we were talking about this. Like there aren't many drafts where there's a generational player. Like in my lifetime, not even the Jordan draft. Like people weren't excited like that because they didn't know Jordan was going to become that. There was the Ewing draft. There was the LeBron draft. Um, Magic Bird. Yeah. yeah, the Magic Bird. Well, actually, no, because Bird uh, Bird got drafted – before he even finished college, because he was, or he transferred from Indiana to Indiana State. So back then, Bogues, after like as long as you did four years in college, so he that he essentially did five years because of the transfer year that Red Auerbach drafted him, sat him out the. He didn't play the year; he played for Indiana State. But the Celtics That's already right. had yeah, his yeah. rights. But like there, yep. there's been like five. I think Yao Ming. You would say that Yao Ming was probably part of that. But not a lot of – even the Durant draft, people weren't like, wow, Durant's like oh, – Shaq. Shaq was the other one. The Shaq, Shaq was, yeah. So there's only about yeah, four yeah. of them. And look, to get this kid, I think teams will do anything. I think Milwaukee will shut it down if they can get that kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting, but they got to do something. Something – look, the one thing about the NBA, and Adam Silver has been probably the one of the best at it. I know we talk – you know, sometimes we call him for what he is sometimes, but – um, he has done a lot to change the old ways of the league. You know, like it, not like it, whatever, but like the playing game and the tournament that they're going to try to do. Like he is sort of progressive with that. It'll be interesting to see what he does with the take. He's got to change it and he's got to make it where you don't incent, you know, you don't, you don't give incentive for these guys to tank. And I don't know what it is. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Is. I agree. I have to do it because it's it's brutal going to a tanking team's game in March. And there's a lot of Australians that go over for a holiday and they try to see an NBA game they end up catching a game like that. And, and it, it just rubs you the wrong way, in my opinion. I like your idea as well. If you're in the lottery, you know, you're bottom of the league. You, you can't be in the top five picks two years in a row, something like that. They need to do something. It just, it, it just, we just don't want to see the OKC slash Philly, you know, um, Trust the process type things happening now. Where it looks like San Antonio is, you know, going going that route potentially, even though they're winning. But you know, it's you just don't want to see it. It's, it's not good for anyone. No, it's not. But the thing is, like, look, every rule. I don't care if it's in society, government, uh, basketball, baseball, whatever it is. Everybody just wants to circumvent the rules. So, like, you give them a set of rules, and then you're like, okay, here's here's our baseline. Find the loophole. Yeah, let's find the yeah. loophole, and that's all they're doing. <laughs> so it's not wrong. It's it, it, it's not good for the sport. But if you're I don't blame the, the teams. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame the teams. If, if I'm in that, if I'm in that, our best case scenario is an eight seed. Our worst case is last. I'm probably going to go last if there's a victor rolling around. And even most years, even if you're in that realm, you're still going to go for the number one, number two pick, right? So you can't blame the teams. It's 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 the body, the governing body in the league. They need, they need to put something in to stop it. Like Adam Silver's comments around, we're going to be watching those teams. Well, how are you going to prove that All-Star 1 really 
doesn't have an injury or all-star two really didn't have COVID or, you know, like, and they're resting guys or guys are injured or the coach wants to bench someone. I, I, I thought he wasn't playing well, so I benched him the next game. How are you going to go to a team and be like, hey, we know you're purposely tanking? That's very, very hard to prove. Very, very hard to prove. Very it's it's obvious, obvious as hell. Obvious to everyone. But to actually prove it, if you went to court oh, yeah. or whatever and say, you hey, that's yeah, impossible. It's, it's impossible. impossible. Are you saying our medical staff's lying? Are you saying are you saying the player's lying or he didn't have mental mental health issues or a hurt knee or are you saying our coach can't coach? Like, so it's kind of, it's, it's pretty interesting where, you know, there's a fallback mechanism that protects teams doing it without actually getting penalized too much, you know? And I'm wondering, Bogues, though, like now that I'm thinking about it, if you did, relegate by taking home games away or take percentage of you know the money they get back from the league like if you take a, not not just totally destroy them but if you hit them hard enough where like say it's back-to-back lottery it's three games third you know and then if you go to third year it's six games and then you cap it out at like eight you lose out on eight home games i wonder if that owner if you did that and that owner knows that they're going to get hit by like tanking again, if they're like, hey guys, I can't afford to fucking tank. So we're going to win games or it's everybody's ass. I'm wondering if you hit them in the pocketbook. Because look, that's the only way you're going to get better. Like player development can only take you so long, uh, so, you know, so far. So you need talent, you need draft. And most of these small market teams, no free agent really wants to go there, no top level free agent. So like, you know, the draft's all you got. So I understand why you do it. But I'm wondering if the owner knows. So it's like, all right, this is our third year. We're going to get hit with seven. We're going to lose seven home games. Literally, like, I don't know what it's going to be. We're going to miss out on $15 million in revenue. I'm not doing that shit this year. We're making the fucking playoffs. Like, yeah. I wonder or just incentivize, incentivize the playing and playoffs more. You know, because um, the issue is going to be what, what if you were a tank team? Let's say you're OKC right now, right? And you tank again this year, you get a pick, and then next year you've signed an all star in free agency. You've got a team that's supposed to be really good, and three of your top four get injured, and you just by accident end up in the lottery again. That, that That's going to be the devil's advocate to that rule. It's like, well, like, fuck, like we, we lost, we had ACL, we had back, we had a broken ankle. That's where it's tough. I, th- I think maybe, you know, incentivizing. Winning even more, people will question that because winning should be everything. Um, you shouldn't be incentivized even further. But yeah, it's a, it's a bigger discussion than even what we're having. There's so many different ways you can go with it. I, I mean, I think probably the simplest way, honestly, just as we discussed on and work this out together was just make 11 the, the one, I think. <laughs> I mean, that's the simplest format. Just if you're 11th, you've got more ping pong balls. Um and if you're, if you're dead last, you get less out of that five. Um, and then that, it, that it at least keeps teams competitive till the very end. But um, no easy solution. All right, JJ Reddick, um, he, gave, he gave a line about, hey, guys, don't bash the Lakers. Just enjoy the beauty of LeBron's greatness or some shit like that, as uh, Pro said in the quote. <laughs> um, very interesting because usually usually with most stars, what, what do we hear with, with stars historically that put up good numbers? Pro. They're the stat chasing. They're you know. Yeah, but what do they need to do to really solidify their stats? Oh, they got to win. They need to win. They got to win games, right? So now all of a sudden, I mean, LeBron's body of work is. I'm not going to even argue that he's he's going to go down as the greatest. And I'm I'm a huge MJ fan over LeBron, but I think LeBron will go down as the greatest just because he's going to break the record and his longevity and 
you know, X, Y, Z. But it's funny that Reddick, Reddick would go this line after most guys are like your Hardens of the world and even Giannis before he won that chip. We were even probably a little, you know, uh, adding him a little bit for, for he's got to get to the chip and prove that he can do it on his own back. Now all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's not important anymore. Just enjoy the greatness of the show, pro. I think in media, I think everybody's, you know, hunting that catchphrase or that that one line that just sort of people, you know, they want to be first saying it. Because it, it's weird because JJ is usually not like that. You know, it doesn't he's not really mushy like that. You know, sentimental, I guess. He just sort of gives it to you straight. I, I, I Never used through. to be, pro, would be the word you're looking for. Never used to be before yeah. he got involved with ESPN, yes. Well, it's a lot of money, you know, and, and LeBron owns that network. You know, he owns most networks, <laughs> yeah. and, and you can't really go against them. Um, not that you should, but there's not a lot of beauty in watching that team play right now. So I don't think there's much beauty to it. Um, but it's just interesting that, again, I, I wouldn't expect that out of him or RJ or someone like that. I'd expect it out of, like, I don't know, Stan Van Gundy, Doris Burke, something like that. I, I really wouldn't expect that out of him. But, hey, look, you know, you know, he's probably getting, what, $5 million a year or whatever he's getting. God bless him. But, yeah, I just thought it was a weird <laughs> – I thought it was a weird line to say the beauty of, like, it. I don't know. I like I said, I don't think there's much beauty in watching that team play in the, in its current form. And um, yeah, that is a yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't wish that upon no man, bro. I don't know why he did it to yourself. To be honest with you, <laughs> yeah, I know. I was bored, and uh, I was bored. I, I got no other. I got no other story. For you. <laughs> All right, another one, pro Pistons GM Rob Murphy has been put on leave has been put on leave due to an investigation that reportedly centers on an allegation of workplace misconduct involving a former female employee. So I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. This shit's normal. No, it's not normal. Let's not normalize it, but this shit happens on every team, everywhere I've been. I'll reiterate it again. Players, staff, trainers, masseuses, front office. And it's not always player involvement, but it's it is a high testosterone environment, uh, plane trips, bus trips, hotel rooms at 2 a.m., late night drinks sometimes, team functions, do the math. This happens in regular workplaces. It's magnified because people are in the spotlight. People are in the, you know, uh, their earnings are made public. There's always you get back if things don't go right in these little swindles or relationships. Um, just another one. And this is, you know, I've had two in the last two months. This is... This is the norm in the NBA. So for people and pro sports in general, uh, especially in the US, with the amount of money involved. So, just another one. We don't have to get too much into a pro, but um, yeah, you got you got to wonder that moving forward from this, you know, where people will be, I don't know, they, they got to be on 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 watch um, for themselves and just make sure you don't stray out of the lines because you know one night of fun or one night of stupidity. You can lose everything that, you know, for a lot of these GMs and front office staff, it's obviously, you know, a dream come true or they've come from a different job and they really love what they're doing and you can lose it overnight. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, you know, it's a strange situation. Like you get those, you get those workplace relationships, probably like three types, right? You get the one that's probably borderline criminal, right? You know, uh, something happened drinking, blah, 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 happen. Then you get the power ones, the ones that like get off on the power of, you know, going after somebody that's lower on the food chain than them. 
And then you get the third one, which is probably the most common, where it's just two people just, you know, starting a relationship. And they, there's no power. There's no uh, ulterior motive. It's just sort of that's what it is. But it's just it legally. What about the that, fourth one, Pro? What do you got? The fourth one. What do you got? Oops, I fell. Oops, I fell. Oops, I fell. Yeah. Oops, <laughs> oops, I, I, oops fell. I fell on it. <laughs> yeah. I, I never <laughs> fell like that, folks, unfortunately. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's just it's just what we're doing these days, folks. It's, you know, especially now with the light that shed on it, um, you're going to, you're probably going to see five, six, seven more of these in the next 18 months with investigations and people open, you know, opening up the books to it. But, um, I'm, I'm, you know, like I said before, I'm totally against it. I think it should be illegal on any level just to get, just to sort of everybody's playing in the same rules and, and you don't get any legal issues, but, Hey, yo, like you said, once again, that's why people would do it, bro. If as soon as you say that and it's illegal, that's the thrill of the, that's the thrill of it for some people, right? You know, it's um, unfortunately the reality of it, but you know, to think this is just the Pistons or just the Celtics, um, I've got a, you know, I'm out in the desert and I've got a bunch of sand to sell you essentially because this is, this is rampant uh, throughout the league and um, some of them are swept under the rug and kept quiet, some aren't, some are quiet settlements, some aren't, you know, some are. Uh, a player payments to someone just to keep quiet. So, but it, it all eventually comes to light. And, um, you know, like if it's consensual, I really have no issue with it. In, uh, different to you, where if it's consensual and there's no marriages involved and someone's hooking up, it's like, okay, well, you're adults, you know, there's risks here. This could hinder your workplace relationship. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a person that's like, it's completely frowned upon. You can't do that because I know what human beings are like. But just know that there's consequences for your actions, and 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 everyone's been in a workplace that um, has had people that have dated and then broke up, and then it becomes it becomes uh, a place that's not workable. And I think that's why you have these rules to pros point where you you want to have a, a strict kind of guideline around it because performance then lacks, and then you know as a manager you got to move one 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 half of the partnership that got together over here and make sure they're not together and then then you're focusing on some shit that is not helping your business or your NBA team. So I, I get it, but it ain't gonna stop anytime soon, bro, because it happens everywhere in the world. So by the way, um, breaking just, bogues, the uh, Phoenix Suns are up beating the dog shit out of the Los Angeles Clippers right now by eighteen. And our boy, Mr. Eight Month Probation uh, Jock Lawndale has six and four early, so I won't be hearing Ooh. from him for another fourteen months. And I just want—I want to make sure his name's mentioned because I've gotten a lot of shit for forgetting his name. God forbid, right? The the fucking Carl Malone of the fucking West this year. I got—I gotta mention the fact that he has six and four early. You know, he's killing it. I just want to make sure he's happy with with you know the amount of airtime he gets on our show. Kawhi's out of that game, right? Is he? Is he yeah, he's out. This is the thing with the Clippers, man. It still bothers me that they do this. I know they want to manage guys and get them right. They need reps, man. Like, I know it's early in the season and it's probably an overreaction, but historically they've done this the last three or four years with a healthy roster. It's like you got to you got to play together, man. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, because they're going to do that thing where, you know, tonight it's Paul George at rest, tomorrow it's Kawhi. It's like... They got to get some sort of consistency and, and, and learning how to play together. You know, you, you can't just. I know Kawhi and Paul are all league players and potentially going to be Hall of Famers, but you can't just switch it on in April. Like they need to get some reps, man. It, well, it really the back to backs. I could see you doing that for the back to backs. Like, hey, you know, like Kawhi, let's not. I get that. It. 
yeah, the, the back-to-backs, he should never play. But resting, you know, they rested last game. This is like two games in a row that they rested. So Yeah, maybe out of flare-up, but, but but even like just resting, it's because they, they don't want to go, they don't want to rest Paul and Kawhi at the same time for obvious reasons. You'd rather have one playing than not. But then what that does is they don't play together enough, right? So it's like when Kawhi has his rest night, Paul plays, and then PG needs a rest night, Kawhi plays, it's like they they did this, the year before Kawhi got hurt and it frustrated the shit out of me because they just seemed like they had no no gel, you know? Like, you look at look at all the teams that have gone deep in the finals, Boston, uh, um, the Golden State Warriors, uh, even Cleveland when they had that run against the Warriors. Like, it's the same group playing together every night. You know, you get that continuity. Oh, this guy likes this here. This guy's got a weakness here on the help side. I need to do this. Oh, this guy gets burned a lot here. I got to get there early. Blah, 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 um, X, Y, Z. And, that's that's what frustrates me. The Clippers. I have them picked as one of the championship favorites, but that just really frustrates me. I think that's the one, the one chink in their armor where they they. I think I like to see them come, but you know, January ish, just start ramping it up and, and enough of those rest nights, back to back or four and fives. Um, totally get it, but yeah, that's that just. But you know what, Bogues? They get to be the if they do win it and they rest of a certain amount of games, they get to. Oh, everyone's gonna call them. Well, yeah, they get to be the first team ever to do this because that's what we live in society. <laughs> every every five seconds, it's it's the first person ever to do this, the first team ever to do it. So they they'll be the and first. Then everyone team will copy ever. it. Exactly. Everyone will copy it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, uh, of course. But I, I mean, yeah, it's yet to be seen. We'll see if it, see if it works for them. But um, I hope the the Clippers can get on on, on some sort of win streak because I, I think they should go pretty deep. All right, uh, we'll get to the NBL in a second. Dabble is betting meets social media. I was uh, lucky enough to be down at Dabble headquarters in Melbourne uh, last week and did some live stream promo stuff. I actually won, a, won some people a lot of money, Pro. They weren't too happy with me. Um, I did a multi in the Golden State game. I think I did Golden State by more than seven. Anthony Davis, 25 plus. I did Clay, 14 plus, and Steph, 20 plus, and it was paying $8, I think. Um, and they used it as a promo that if you place a bet and one of the legs fails of the multi, you get $25 back. So it was a pretty good, pretty good, pretty good comp. And we had 1,250 odd people copy the bet. And, and obviously put their denomination on. And it, and it won pro, so uh, it cost Dabble a little bit of money. But yeah, if you want to jump on Dabble, you can follow your friends, stalk the experts, you can f- see my tips and, 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 and copy them straight to your account, all in one tap, very, very easy. Uh, get alerts when your mates and expert tips is place bets. I'm Andrew Bogart, all one word on there. Download the app, have a Dabble, Dabble socially and gamble responsibly pro. But I got one right for the punters pro, so it was good. You keep, hey, you keep doing shit like that, they're going to fucking send you a letter saying, why don't you dabble with another fucking sponsor next year, motherfucker? All right, so stop, you know, stop taking Cease some and desist. Games. Yeah, hey, stop, forget about Adam Silver. You got, you got to start taking some games for us, brother. We need this sponsor, trust me. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I, I drew my playoff run uh, last season. There was a lot of angry dabblers at me because I didn't get many right. I think it was one or two for 10 or 15 <laughs> or something like that. So this was a little thank you to them and they got paid, which was kind of good and, and thanks for, thanks to Dabble as well for refunding, possibly refunding uh, $25 max on, on people's bets as an insurance policy. So it was a good little promo. NBL, a lot of news, pro. Oof, a lot of news. So the Cairns Taipans were your league leaders uh, during the weekend. They got to number one because the Kings squandered to the Adelaide 36ers. Uh, Paul Smith, majority owner, made some comments in the media leading up to the game. Now, 
people deemed him controversial. He said something like the Adelaide 36ers, you know, they think they're the Golden State Warriors of the NBL. They go over there, they beat Phoenix. Looking forward to playing him here. Um, he said that uh, he's glad we're playing him a couple of weeks after they got back to Australia. He doesn't want any jet lag excuses. And we ended up losing. Uh, Adelaide punched us. They shot the ball really well. But uh, people, some people were like, oh, Paul Smith is so arrogant to say that. He's done this three or four times. Uh, whenever we have games that aren't selling tickets well pro, he strategically will get on the radio on a Monday or a Tuesday and do this. And people still haven't figured it out. <laughs> people still have not figured it out. It created a lot of content, a lot of hype. People were like, oh, it's, how can you say that? You're an owner, blah, 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 blah. Well, I've got a lot of bums on seats in the arena pro. So for people out there that are frustrated by it, I know Paul very, very well. He's a hard on, on his sleeve type of guy. Um, we need those owners in the NBL, in my opinion. I don't like the owners that are quiet and, and, and don't, you know, that's how they do it. But in my opinion, I like the guy that's passionate, crosses the line every now and then, hard on his sleeve. He had to sit courtside for that game. And I know the Adelaide players, once they won that game, they all went up to him and gave him their piece of their mind. So it created a bit, a bit, of, a bit of tension there, good rivalry. Uh, I'm not sure what you think about the comments, Pro, but um, I... You know, people that, that saw it on face value didn't understand that this is something he always does, but I don't know how you see it, bro. Well, folks, you gotta they got people gotta understand too, like owners today, they're not like the ones fifteen years ago where you barely hear from you know, now they're very vocal. I would say most owners on most teams and most high level professional ball clubs, you hear from them a lot more than you didn't you don't. And that's what they do. They they yuck it up and they get a lot of, you know, it's either self-promotion or it's like they're trying to get a competitive edge. They want to get under people's skins and push buttons. And that's what you that's what that's what we're doing with, with social media and all this other stuff. You know, they're, they're using it for those reasons. So it doesn't really I, I don't really feel one way or another about it. Like that's. Look, if it's order- still frowned upon here, pro is my point. So, like to your point of in the NBA, it's becoming more normal. Here, it's not. I mean, he's probably he's he's, he's by far the most outspoken owner in the NBL. Uh, good, bad, indifferent, sunny day, rainy day. He's gonna you know uh, troll. He's gonna prod. He's gonna positive, negative, whatever it is. Uh, in the NBL, it hasn't come because there's a lot of ownership groups that are that, that have five or six different owners. Um, and there's a lot of teams that are more traditional where like, oh, we'll just keep quiet and be behind the scenes. But um, I like it. Like I said, I think, I think, look, sometimes he does cross the line and he'll even be the first to tell you that. But I want passion. I want NBL owners that are passionate. Well, I don't want owners from the 90s and 2000s that the only time you heard their name was when the club went bankrupt and they, they couldn't afford the license anymore. I don't want those owners. I want the owner that's like passionate about it. Like like this dude, like Paul Smith takes these losses worse than players at times, right? I have to tell you, man, hey, it's, it's a regular season game. Like you know, I've been within the car after a regular season loss. Like, hey, it's, we've got another 20 of these things. Relax, man, it's all right. You know, like it's a long journey. We need these bumps in the road where he, you know, he's ready to nick himself, right? So um, it was just an interesting one, but I think the NBA has definitely changed to your point, but the... The NBL is still uh, usually five or six years behind the NBA, so we'll catch up in three or four more years and have more more, more owners brawls, um, which isn't isn't always a bad thing as long as it's done respectfully. But anyway, Cairns were number one. They ended up playing New Zealand on Sunday. The New Zealand Breakers Pro scored five points total in the first quarter of their game and came back to win and beat Cairns in Cairns, so it knocked them back to second. Sydney then had a chance to make up for their loss on Friday and they played Melbourne United. 
uh, on Sunday afternoon after that Cairns New Zealand game. They beat Melbourne United. They've actually demolished them by 18. The Melbourne were up. 10, I think, early. They got off to a great start and then the Kings just, just ran over them. Brisbane's still winless. They're in Baines. Uh, Brisbane, look, it's not so easy to, to just sign a few ex-NBA players and win down in the NBL. It's just not. You, you Back in the day, maybe, but it's very, very hard to do. Um, Tyler Johnson, of course, is there as well. And, and they just they just can't they can't get any rhythm or sync together. They, they played much better over the weekend and, and, and was a, a close... A close loss for them to I think Southeast Melbourne, but they um, they definitely look better. But I still think they, they have some work to do. They play Illawarra tonight, pro time of recording, and Illawarra's one win for the season. So this this could be the time they get off their own four start. Tasmania pro your guy Scott Roth. They started the season zero and three pro zero and three. They beat the Perth Wildcats, who some have as championship favourites pro in Tasmania. They absolutely demolished them, pro. Demolished them. 29 points they beat them by. Um, I watched that game. I was at home on the couch. Unbelievable. Uh, they, they, I just can't believe this Tasmania team, pro. They're missing probably the best shooter in, in Clint Steindl. Um, kind of a, who would he be like? A, a taller version of a JJ Redick from Orlando days, running off all these pin downs and cross screens, doesn't really dribble much, but just shoots shoots the piss out of it. And they're missing Will Magne, who had a stint in the NBA for a little bit, um, G League slash New Orleans. He's hurt as well, and he's an elite rim protector. So they're missing two of their better players, and they just continue to get it done. So um, Scott Roth, man, he's he gave out the, the big yell after the game, um, and unbelievable, unbelievable uh, win for for Tasmania and. Yeah, they're they're back they're back in the mix on the ladder right now. Um, as it stands, Sydney number one, New Zealand two, Cairns three, Adelaide four, Perth this and Perth five, and Tasmania now sixth. So they're in the top six now after an on three start. Pro, so your guy Scott Roth, he's lighting up those those uh, those cigars as we speak. Yeah, my boy Adam from Serbia that you met that works for the Knicks. He sent me a video of him saying like our house, our house. I'll tell you what, he did seem a little subdued. So it wasn't as like uh, animalistic as it was last time, you know, last year. So maybe he's a little subdued about it. I hope he gets back to his roots and, you know, starts scaring people again. But um, no, oh, he was cool. mad into that game because they were up, well, they up 30 or 30, they up 30 or something like that. And there was, they had, they had the ball with 18 seconds left, got the rebound. And Scott Roth yelled to his players, don't shoot it, just dribble out, be respectful. And <laughs> so the player dribbled it over the half court and the Perth team stole it <laughs> and tried to try to lay it up. And so he was mad at that. He, he told the head coach, like, I was trying to be respectful for you guys and you guys stole it. So they had a little argy-bargy and then, then he went on to his his passionate, um, this is our house. So I think that kind of threw him off a little bit, but uh, they're, they're looking very, very good again, Tasmania. So I give them a lot of credit. I had them, had them out of the finals, out of the playoffs, just because I thought, Talent-wise, they weren't going to be there, but they continue to surprise. Sydney Kings finished the round with that win over Melbourne, and that marks the 16th straight road game they've won in a row, Pro. Um, so that, that carries on from the finals of last season. That's an NBL record, all-time record, 16 straight road, road games. Just seems like the Kings are a bit more locked in on the road. Um, it's been been a staple for la- from last season and this season. I think at home we kind of, and a lot of teams do this, we coast out, come out of the gate a little slow, um, and... On the road, I just feel like we're we're way more locked in. So 
Um, that's a great record. Here's one for you, Pro. Uh, Jordan, Jordan Caroline, are you familiar with that name? I, I am not, no. So an import for, the, for, for Melbourne United. Hasn't played well. Um, kind of an undersized four. Uh, played some, put some decent numbers up in Europe. I looked at his stats from the last couple of seasons. Anyway, hasn't played well. Missed a lot of bunnies around the rim, whatever, whatever, whatever. United head coach Dean Vickerman did a press conference post post uh, the Kings game last night, which I think was very inappropriate. Um, I think it was oh, I saw very that. Poor, yeah, poor taste. Yeah, basically just hung him out to dry. Um, and there's been rumours that he's going to be moved on. That's the brutal. That's a brutal harshness of the NBL pro is that you could still be playing a game knowing your replacement's on a plane <laughs> until he lands. Then we're going to wave you. That's just how brutal it is. He's been in those rumours for the last week or two. Anyhow, he's at a press conference and he's asked about, you know, how Caroline struggled a little bit. And he goes, oh, you know, we're just in the locker room talking about if Jack White, who was their previous four-man um, last season, who's now the Denver Nuggets, if we had Jack White on the team still, he, he would have made all those little bunnies and we just had a little laugh about it in the locker room with the coaches. And I'm like, did you really just relay a conversation you had, at, you know, in an intimate setting in a locker room with your coaches, talking shit about your current rostered player and having some, being teary-eyed about, a previous player you had, like that's just utterly disrespectful to Caroline. And I'm not a United fan by any means, um, but I mean, I'm defending Caroline here to an extent because this is just poor. He's still on your roster, man. He still has to show up to practice tomorrow now and look you in the eyes as a head coach and be like, yeah, man, appreciate you having my back, dude. Like, what the fuck? And and, and second fold, it, it, it severely hinders this this player's potential future value going to other leagues. Like, so... Uh, I'm glad you saw the interview. I thought it was really, really inappropriate. I think, look, everyone knows these conversations happen. You just don't take them to the media and you don't leave a player out. And he, he might have thought it was an innocent comment. It's some insight that'll be good for the media to hear. But you basically left your, your import um, out to dry, pro. You know, Bogues, we've been around a lot of coaches and, you know, from all levels. And there's nothing worse than a coach that has no fucking self awareness of like what they're doing. And maybe he does, maybe he does, and maybe he's a narcissist and maybe he just wants to fuck with this kid. He doesn't care. But like, you don't do that. That's like, you don't kill somebody that's sitting right next to you. You know, busting their chops is one thing when everything's going well, like, and you want to bust a guy's chops, that's totally fine. But like, Hey, you know how it is. You know that he knows are probably a lot of rumblings that he's going to get replaced and you're talking about former players and conversations and things like that. You don't do that to a player. You don't. Because it's just when the going gets tough, that's how you react. And that's that's how you deal with adversity. You 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 know, you, you shit on a player right there. And it's just Well imagine imagine Caroline had a press conference and said, Yeah, well my previous Euro Euro coach put me in better situations. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like he's he's gonna have a meeting with the coach the next morning, right? Like, no doubt. so there's a bit of double double standard there, and it's just I thought, you know, uh, I don't feel bad for Melbourne United. I feel bad for Caroline. I think that's just real poor. It's not a way we should treat imports in this league. They, you know, unfortunately, they have a tough gig. Like they're hired guns a lot of the time. They can be cut on a whim, and unfortunately for a lot of NBL teams, um, it's easier to place blame on an import rather than maybe maybe you're not coaching as well as you once did. Maybe you don't have that deep roster you had where you had guards you could throw the ball to that would get you a bucket in, in a Casper Ware or, or someone like that, that you could have a shitty offensive possession and have the luxury of like, we're still going to find a bucket because we're going to lead scorer. Well, he doesn't really have that this season. And I, I think that's a, that's a big part of it. Their spacing isn't great. 
um, and they just have some pieces that don't fit. They got to figure it out. But um, leaving it, leaving your your foreman out to dry like that, and and look, he didn't miss some monies. He hasn't been playing well. He has not been playing well. But my point to everyone, if anyone out there is going to say, well, what's you know, you're a direct guy, Bose. What else is he supposed to do? The, the import's not playing well. Keep that shit in house. You know, you don't need to run to the media and then blast this guy's image for for the world to see. So that's all I would say on that. We spoke about last week that the leak of uh, NBL salaries was coming out. Um, there was team salaries, and, and now they've released the player salaries. Well, pro, the player salaries are wrong. So um, advice to – if the person who leaked the salaries listens to Rogue Bogue, some advice would be if you're going to leak something, at least give the right numbers. So our numbers, are, our player uh, salaries are way off. Uh, we have some players ahead of other players that shouldn't be in XYZ. So um, they're off. They're not great. So – Disappointed that you know someone's going to leak something and get it that wrong. I know the the NBL Players Association and some clubs were pretty fired up about this being leaked. Well, you can kind of somewhat take it in stride now, knowing that whoever leaked them doesn't have the right ones. <laughs> so that made that made the news. But I'm look pro. I'll say it again. I've said it numerous times. I'm big on releasing salaries. I think it's a very very important. I'm in the minority there, but happy to voice my opinion on it. I think it's a, a no-brainer for the NBL. It's another talking point. It's another thing that no one does in Australia that the NBL could do. No league in our, in, in, no, no sporting league in Australia releases player salaries. We could do that. I think it's a good thing. It's a talking point. It's a hey, this team spent you know one million less than this team. It's David versus Goliath battle. You've got that. You know, you've got that feel to it. You've got wow, that player was worth this much. Now they're worth this much. Or blah 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 blah. I think it's. I think net. Net positive overall, whether it's sixty percent positive, forty percent negative. The only negative is the Players Association hates it. I don't think the league really has a yes or no to it, but they, they know the Players Association is against it, and some players don't want it released um, because I think some agents have a lot of leverage when you don't know, uh, you know, what guys are earning. Because if I'm comparing player X on my squad and I need to pay him, extend him, I don't know what player Y is earning till the end of the season. So it, it really helps players somewhat make a little bit more I think and helps agents drive up the price but I think if you're talking transparency if you're talking um, making sure no one's cheating the cap or doing anything weird the only way to do that is to make salaries public because if I offer you 200 grand pro because I saw on 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 you know last season salaries you're making 150 if I offer you 200 the next season and you scuff at that and, and reject it out of the door I'm going to be like hang on a second are you sure you're just getting 150 because you just knocked back an offer that was 25-30% more that quickly, something must be going on. So I think it creates a lot of transparency, pro. But I'm I'm big for releasing it. I know we release it in the NBA, and I think I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I, I I've always wanted to know with you, know, you hear from agents or, or or media people that tell you you know without putting it out there. But I've always just sort of very interested to know international salaries and what people are making. And I, I know you laid out all the reason why people don't want it out and understandably so. I'm for it. I think that you should have it out just so you know, like, who's making what. And it's very interesting to me. But, yeah, people, you know, people are sensitive to that. I understand why agents wouldn't want it like that sometimes or sometimes why clubs wouldn't want it out. But I don't know. I don't see the reason why it's a big deal, but then again, I'm not there. I'm not in the league. I'm not. I'm not a part of it. I just outside of looking in, just thinking it's cool. But that's just me. Fair enough. Different for everyone, but yeah, just some, I think it's just another one one off the NBL can do to 
differentiate itself from the rest of Australia um, and make some noise with. And then also you can talk about an off season. It gives you more content, more PR. You know, the NBL at times in the off season is is silent, you know, because there's nothing going on. So you could maybe strategically leak, you know, not leak, strategically put out these numbers a month after the season when it's dead, and then it creates some more traction in the media, right? So I think there's a lot of useful ways you can you can um, utilize doing that, but. It's a no at the moment. We'll see how that goes in the future. All right, useful or useless stats pro. Jokic the other night had 26 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists. He's one triple-double away from tying Wilt for the all-time center record in NBA history pro. Useful or useless? Oh, it's useful for sure. I mean, the guy's getting it done. The guy is getting it done. I mean, that's that's an unbelievable stat that, you know, a second-round pick, don't forget, that has only been playing what ten less than ten years, probably like eight or nine years. I mean, that's that's a hell of a feat, and to be mentioned in the same sentence as that, it's a Will Chamberlain. It's an unbelievable, uh, you know, achievement for anybody, in my opinion. Useful for me as well. All right, the fourth option on the Pelicans the other night put up thirty points on eleven field goal attempts, seventeen rebounds, and four assists. Who was that player pro, and is that a useful stat? Is it Valanciunas? It is Valanciunas, yes. Yeah, hell yeah, he's on my fantasy team, so of course it was that. <laughs> but uh, I think it's useful. I mean, that's a, it is a, it's a hell of a feat for a fourth option to be doing that, but it just shows you how active the guy is and strong and, you know, plays hard. But, I mean, on one end, you could say it's useless, it's just a freakish thing, but it just... I think the guy plays hard. He always has. You know, he's not the most talented guy in the world, but he just plays hard. And that's why he puts up the numbers that he has. And he has the relevance in the game, you know, for him because he just plays with a certain tenacity. And he's always around the basket, knows his role, does his thing. I think it's useful to me. Yeah, I think it's useful as well. And, and knowing that if Zion has an off night, foul trouble, injuries, you've got a guy that's just sitting there that can contribute like that. I think I like their team, man. They're, they're they're a fun team to watch. You know, they lost today to Utah. They have a lot of different weapons. Um, CJ starting to really find his feet there. Ingram. Um, they got a lot of defenders. You know, Zion, Valanciunas, Nash Jr. has been good for them. I mean, they they just got a really nice squad. So I like the, I like what they're building there in New Orleans, and it's about time they they bounce back from. You know, the, the Davis era where they had a bit of success, but I think they, they got a chance to be a pretty good team the next couple of years. So excited to watch them grow. Next one, Anthony Davis has had three assists in three games this season. That's three assists total over three games this season, Pro. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought he was, I thought he had three assists in the last three years. To be honest, he doesn't pass the ball. <laughs> He's not one of those guys. It's just not in his repertoire. But um, well, with New Orleans, New Orleans, he kind of he had some high assist games in New Orleans. Um, he did, and he, he was getting a lot of touches and doubles. But even in LA, early on, he had a few. He had a few, but it just seems like now it's just just a junky offense. Yeah, it's just yeah. He used to crap. post up in New Orleans too. I mean that that's a that's something yeah, that he that doesn't helps. really do anymore. You know, he doesn't do anymore either. But um, yeah, I think it's uh, I'm I'm. That's a toss-up for me, Bogues. I don't know if it is useful or useless. What What do you think? I think it's useless. Um, it's an interesting stat, but it's useless. He was zero in the first two games. And he had three today, so it made it one, one assist a game average. I, I think it's what's more useless is the Lakers' offense. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> so, yeah. 
You know, they're just, it's just so clunky and ugly to watch. It's like if LeBron doesn't create something or AD, it's just like, he's a grenade. Um, you know, shoot this. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just not, they're not a fun team to watch. At least, like, you know, there's some shitty teams that are still fun to watch, like Houston, Orlando, Utah. Like, you, you uh, they're shitty, but they're young. They've got these young guys who are going to at least battle. The Lakers are shitty and just not fun to watch at all, in my opinion. Like the JJ Reddy comment around, like enjoy the greatness of LeBron. It's, it's not fun to watch. It's just it's a shit brand of basketball. There's always some extra drama on it because the Lakers, and I don't enjoy watching it. So I'm going useless on that one, pro. Last one, Donovan Mitchell. I like. I know you love your first ever's. So Donovan Mitchell is the first ever Cleveland Cavalier. Cleveland Cavalier with three thirty-point games to start a season. 37, 32, and 31. Shooting, 49%, 42%, and 92%. Splits, pro. Useful or useless? Useless. If it was like the first five games, I'd say you had Oh, so there. two more? Yeah. Two more. two more? If you had two more, I'd say oh. feet. First five Big games. Big jump. <laughs> yeah, that's well, it's still the first ever. And don't forget LeBron played there. First of all. First to start ever, a season. Two things yeah. that I can't stand these days, folks. I can't stand a lot of fucking things, let's be honest. But- First ever salad, in, well, salad of course, anything green. But days <laughs> like it's um, sister day. Oh yeah, yeah. it's it's, uh, t- it's tree day. day. It's tree day, Dre day, whatever the fuck day it is. Like I, first of all, folks, who decides these things? Like who decides that it's chocolate cupcake day? By the way, that person is a saint to me. But like, who the fuck would decide it's like chocolate cupcake day? Like who the maybe fuck it's former NBA that? player, former NBA player Todd Day, maybe. Oh, Todd Day, yeah, maybe, maybe. But <laughs> fuck, folks, I mean, yeah, yeah every day's a day, man. There's always something to celebrate, day. pro. Yeah, shit. people's day and Earth Day and this day and that day and yeah, Go it's, fuck uh, yourself, day. How about we're, that? we're gonna need we're, we're gonna need to change the year yearly calendar soon to get more days in the year because it's uh, we're, we're slowly running out. But um, so you go useless, you go useless. I'm going useful just because I think Mitchell's. Oh. You know, yeah, Le- LeBron's been there. LeBron, this is not not first, not debut. This is first three games of any season to start a season for the Cavs, and he's broken that record. So with LeBron being there that long, they've had some other talented guys throughout the years and, and Mark Price and whatnot as far as far back as you go. Pretty impressive. So I'm going to go useful on that one, bro. Uh, what do you have this week for us? All right, folks. Adam Silver talked about making changes or at least viewing some options for the uh, possible options for taking, you know, to try to get rid of it. Will he, he will change the format in the next two years of dealing with tanking, not the investigative part, but actually having something like a tournament or like some a rule, type like of a rule relegation, change, yeah. a rule change for tanking in the next two years. Fact or fake news? Oh man. I'm going fake news. I just don't see what he can do unless look if it go if it just gets so much blatant negativity that someone tanks this year so badly for Victor maybe but I'm going to go the under not not within two years I think maybe maybe if you said five I'd probably probably take that oh, over but yeah I'm so going to go you fucking copied me from last time yeah, yeah. but I got yes. more, I got better odds man I went that was th- that was first three games you said five that's two that's not even 50% I'm going I need five from two that's more than 50% so I've got better odds bro your math skills are impeccable, folks. Your math skills are impeccable. I love maths. Maths. Yeah. Fucking asshole. Um, what do you got? All right, folks. One of the – with all the tank teams winning, one of these tank teams are going to make the you know the top 10 
in their in their division. So I'll give you the teams. Oklahoma City, Sacramento, Orlando, San Antonio, Indiana. That's the 15. One of those teams will make top 10 in their division. Fake news. No chance. Not, not in my opinion. Sacramento are already 0-3 and they look horrible. OKC, they're going to keep developing and I think they want to be in those sweepstakes. San Antonio is the sneaky one. Um because, you know, Pop likes to go against the grain and just do things that, you know, he's not supposed to. So maybe Indiana are, gonna, are not going to be very good in Orlando. I already did last. So out of those, if you would have thrown maybe a, a Utah or a Detroit in there. Um, but, yeah, I'm going fake news. None of those five are making the 10. They're going to be in full tank mode. Choo-choo. Good call. You? Uh, um, I would say fake news. I don't think any of those teams are going to win. I think, like you said before, you opened up the the, the podcast today with it. Where like it's too early, you know. It's it's cool when a team goes three and zero, and three, whatever, whatever, and you're like, oh wow, you know, they're gonna they're gonna you know carry this on for eight months. We all know it ain't gonna happen. We all know that you know ownership, management, one of these people are gonna be like, yeah, let's uh, let's chill the fuck out on these wins because we ain't making the playoffs. So again, we talk about Victor and generational talent, all that. There's no way if a team has a chance to get that kid, they would. So yeah, I'd say fake news as well. All right, let's get off the tanking, Bogues. Well, I guess maybe we would still stay on the tanking. Um, the Los Angeles Lakers will win more games than the Portland Trailblazers this year. Fact fake, news. Fake, no chance. fake news, no chance. Fake news. No, Portland no look good. Portland, that's another team actually. Portland looked better than I thought, and I look. I had them in my ten just based on Dame because I thought they'd scrape in just because of Dame time and all that, and he's a bucket. They look better, more organized. They look like they care. They look like they want to guard. They look like they're playing with effort. The Lakers just look terrible. Like it's, it's just going to be. You know, unless something drastic happens, they pull a rabbit out of that with a trade, which they can't really do because their cap's so messed up and they really don't have any assets besides Russ. And as we those said, two picks, probably they, most... they got those two first rounders unprotected. But Bogues, like, if I'm them, and you know it's not going to happen because it's such a shit show over there, they got to just say, you know what, fuck it, we're just going to be bad. We're not going to give up our picks in Westbrook. You know, for forget about Westbrook, he's he's irrelevant to that. But we're not going to give up these two unprotected picks to get Buddy Heald and Turner because what are they going to get us? Like, I could see if you made a deal where you can get Trey Young or something like that, where like it'll get you to the, you know, it'll get you to the top five. You know, I, I just don't see what that, that trade is so short lived and short sighted that it just, there's no reason to make that trade. It's not going to get you much better. It'll get you a couple of spots, and it may not even get you to the playing game, to be honest with you, because they're going to be bad. And let's not forget, Anthony Davis has been hurt almost every year for the last five years. You know, that's going to happen. You know, it, it's, it's, it's just when, not if, but when, for the most part, where he's going to miss a, a lot of games. And they need him because LeBron just can't do it himself. This ain't 2008 LeBron anymore. This is, you know, a guy who could put up big time numbers, but, you know, to bring to play like that every night and to carry a team, yeah, it's uh I don't see it happening. What's going to be funnier is like game 40 when they're, 
you know, 10, 30 potentially, and LeBron's still playing 45 minutes just chasing that record when they absolutely suck. It's going to be hilarious. And then literally break the record and be like, all right, fellas, (laughs) it's been real. See you later. (laughs) Yeah, Frank Vogel's on Manhattan Beach right now having a daiquiri just saying, you know what, man? Thank God. I'm still collecting my money for another two years, and I don't have to deal with that bullshit every day. And just watching that shit show while you're collecting the money too is the fun part. So, yeah, I'm, I think the Lakers deservedly deserve, deservedly deserve. There you go. Oh, they, nice they, one. Yeah, deserve everything that's coming to them. And I don't know how Plinker got that extension, but uh, God bless him, he did. Uh, that is the latest episode of the basketball series. Not a lot to cover in the NBA. We didn't want to get too in depth because there's a lot of water to go under the bridge still. Um, but. Other than that, it's going to be another exciting year. A few teams coming out of nowhere that we didn't expect. Utah Jazz, cough, cough. But we'll see you again uh, next week, bro. Folks, have a good one, brother. And uh, I'm sure there'll be four more days added to the calendar by the time we meet again. So We need a Rogue Bogues Day. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Where everyone, we do. everyone just talks shit to each other all day. October 32nd. Reason don't put it up there. Book it. All right, see ya. Later. Let's get Rogue.